Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, lift up your Bibles and say with me that this is God's word, not Pastor Omar's word. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be what it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are opened. And I better not go to sleep. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me read for you quickly. Uh, 1 John 1 from verse 6 to 7. It says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12 from 12 to 27. It says, for as the body is one and, it, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being, may, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head. To the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which seem to be less honorable and those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schisms in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. No, you are the body of Christ and members individually. Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that our eyes will be opened this morning to hear, to see your truth. Our ears will be opened to hear your voice. Our minds open to understand your word and our hearts ready to receive everything you have in store for us. This morning, Lord God, may we be more than mere hearers of your word. When we leave here, may we put into practice what we preach and teach. 
We don't just want to have a good experience. We want to have a God-transforming experience. Change us from the inside out. Let nothing distract us in the name of Jesus. Even those who are watching online and there may be other things happening around them, may they in this moment set their attention on you, O God. As this we pray and thank you for, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You may be seated. Now, God's desire is that we be joined together to fulfill his purpose in the world. And as a local body of believers, we have both we, we have been uniquely designed by God to reach our community for Christ. And that is why at Church on the Rock, we have two things that uh, uh, you need to remember, that we make disciples who make disciples. And our mission statement is very simple. It says we exist to win the lost, to connect them to the church, to train them up and send them out in order to glorify God. That, that's touching the community. Winning is touching the community. Connecting, touching the community. Uh, fellowship, all of those things are about impacting the community that we are in. Making disciples who make disciples. Touching the people around you and expanding God's kingdom by teaching God's word and living the godly life before people. So if that is the case and that is what the church purposes to do, then what is the church? If someone were to ask you, what is the church? What you do you tell them? I am the church. But what does that mean? All right, the church is not the building. People always say that the church is, but what is the church? What is the, the origin of the word church and what it really means? What does it speak to? And how does it apply today? And how should it, if we really want to know what the church should be today, we have to look at what the church was when the church originally started. I mean, I don't know if you understand this, that in the Old Testament, church is not used. Are you aware of that? That in the Old Testament, church is not used until in the New Testament. And church, as in the word church and the establishment of it, actually happened in Acts. Earlier reference to it was Jesus saying, Upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. But all that happened is that people used to meet in the temple, in the tabernacle, all of those things in the Old Testament coming into the New Testament. Now, the word church is really, in, in its truest sense, coming from the, the Greek, the original um, Grecian teaching. And they got that word, and it was because of what the people of that time did. And what they would do is that when, when they would take over a city, they would have a group of persons that they call out and say, we, because we are in, say, Greece, and you are going to be in Bethsaida, as an example, you 12 are responsible for running the affairs and you report to head office. The church is that. It is the same context that the church is spoken of in the New Testament. In other words, the church was a group of persons who were what? Called out to run where they were on behalf of someone greater. Making sense? It means that we are called out by God to run the affairs, the spiritual affairs of Jamaica on God's behalf. And they had a word for it, and the word was ecclesia. E-K-L-E-S-I-A. Ecclesia. And it literally means a calling out. It is a meeting of people who have been called out or summoned together. I want you to remember that. People who are called out together. They would never know 
the Roman Empire would not call one person. They call out a group of persons. So every time the church is spoken of, though we're part of the body, in the context that it is used in the New Testament, it speaks of a togetherness. Amen? Going so far. So in the New Testament, Ecclesia refers to the congregation of God's people who have been called out are separated from the world into his kingdom. The church is made up of those who God has joined together in the body of Christ. Therefore, there cannot be church if there is no together. Amen? If we are apart, operating individually, we can't be classified as the church. I am the church individually because I am with you collectively. A amen? A amen? Making sense? But if I decide that I'm going to be by myself, I'm no longer the church. I cannot be by myself and say, well, I am the church. No, I am the church not because I'm by myself, but because collectively I am with you. If I decide not to be with you, I can't be the church because the church is not a called out one. It's called out one. Right. So the word church can refer to a local assembly of believers or the universal church as a whole, meaning all the people who call on the name of the Lord. But for our purpose today, when I refer to church, I mean the local church, specifically church on the rock. But let me be quick to point out two things. First, what is true for relationships within our church is also true for relationship between believers in other local churches. I always tell people that if you find if you, any church, if you, if, you, if you are coming from a church where hypocrites are, and you come in here, hypocrites are here. Amen? Like, all the problems that were at the church that you probably left are probably here. I, I don't know. Because where people are, problems are. That's, that's just it. So, so I want us to get that because we have the wrong idea. We think a church is a hotel and we get to choose our room. And some of us are in the suite. Some of us have taken double occupancy, single occupancy. And you will feel like we can hang out at the pool. And no, the church is not a hotel. The church is a hospital. Because the church is made up of sick people. And sick people don't go to, go to hotel. Sick people go to hospital. And it's only one doctor. And it's Dr. Jesus. He's the chief medical officer. And the angels are the nurses. The only time you get to leave and check out of that hospital is when they're going to bury you. So you stay. We are all on a big ward. You don't have your own room. Any surgery you're doing, you're doing it on the ward. Everybody's seeing everything. Because all of us need surgery. And he's one doctor. There's no private room to take care of your issue. 
We are a hospital. And so no matter which place you're coming from, when you come here, you have visited. This one, we just have a different hospital name. Like you have Savannah, you have St. Anthony. This is called the Rock Hospital. You have the Baptist Hospital. You have the Methodist Hospital. You're all <laughs> yeah, same doctor. But he's everywhere doing work. Amen? So that's the thing. So I don't want people to say, well, eh, may I go there? Because them people, them people, them people, they're real. Them people are not hypocrites. Listen, man, they're hypocrites. They're hypocrites everywhere. Just want you, just want you to know. You just try not to be one. Simple. Okay? All right. So we are not the only one with sick people. Secondly, collectively and individual, individually, local churches or body of believers should share in the same type of relationship with other churches as are found within the individual local church. I'll say this. Because we are just a church body and then there's a church body of Christ, we are not any church enemy. And that's part of the problem in Jamaica. Churches fighting against churches. That's one of the biggest issues. Like people will tell you if you don't go to the church that you're going to hell. And the only way you can go to heaven is to join them. And the scripture just said, if everybody is a eye, where is hearing going to be? The scripture just tells us that obviously, obviously we can be in the same body but be different parts of the body. But still people believe that all of us must be Adventists. All of us must be Jesus only. All of us must be Baptists. All of us must be... You understand? And the scripture just said, listen. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Some people are going to be eyes. In fact, here's what the scripture said. There are some parts of the body that are not presentable. So some church not really too presentable in. It, this is what the scripture said, right? They're not even... And, and it says, and then you treat those parts with what? With, with modesty. Because, but the presentable parts get less taken care of because you look good. You understand me? Less, less stuff, but, but, but you have some unpresentable. The Bible is telling us. But instead of seeing that, we try to bicker and fight. And then at the same time, while we are fighting against each other, we are praying for Jamaica. Now, I can't fix all churches because I'm in the hospital like the rest of pastors. Because pastors, pastors don't have no special bedding. All the way on the same bed in the same ward, including the pastors and the deacons and the bishop and the prophets and the prophetess. Before God, we are all equal. Amen? And so what happened is that all I'm saying is that let us understand that we are all in a hospital and come together. Because if the church get it right and the churches get it right, then we can begin to speak to Jamaica about unity and oneness. Jamaica will not be unified, no matter how much we pray, until they see the unity of the church. If, if our marriages and our relationships are not well, we can't go and talk about peace, families, and family life. If, if families are messed up in the church. So we're going to speak about that this morning. So what should our relationship within the church be like? 
We're going to discover that by looking within the church. And the church, I'm going to use church as an acronym. So that means there are six points because there are six letters in the word church, right? The first one is Christ-like. Relationships within the church should be Christ-like. Relationship within the church should be Christ-like. So let me put it simply. Because we are individually connected to Christ, our relationships with one another should be the same as Christ relates to us. All right? Simply put, and let me just break it down for you. We should relate to people not based on how people relate to us, but based on how Christ relates to us. All right? So say this with me. I should not relate to people based on how they relate to me. I should relate to people based on how Christ relates to me. It, yeah, that's it. We should never treat people how they treat us. We treat people what? How Christ treats us. And that's how we have healthy relationships in the church. Too often we give back to people what they give to us instead of giving to people what God has given to us out of perfect love. That is why you can't measure your Christian faith and your Christian life based on what, uh, uh, how people are. It must be based on God's standard. We said that in Bible study. The standard that all of us ought to live by is not that person or that person or that person. The standard must be God's word. And what we match up our life against is not if I look more holier than Pastor Omar. I know more than Pastor Omar. No, is that in the eyes of God, how holy, how righteous, how upstanding I am. Because the measurement is not a next man. The measurement is God. And if God is the measurement, how I treat you must be based on God's standards and God's standards alone. That is why the scripture says this. If we claim to have fellowship with him, meaning God, yet walk in the darkness. We lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. If you have relationship with God, you will have fellowship with people. I can tell how healthy your relationship with, his, with God based on your relationship with people. A checkometer, let me call it that, right? of your spiritual life is looking at how you relate to the people around you. That's what the scripture is saying. If you claim to have fellowship with God and walk in darkness, you're lying. You're not telling the truth. But if you walk, it is automatic that if you're walking with God, you're going to have fellowship with people, good fellowship. If you cannot get along, if you cannot get along with people, you have to check if you're getting along with God. Amen? So let's, let's unpack verse 6 some more. It tells us that if we claim to be in relationship with Jesus, our lifestyle will validate our friendship with Jesus. By how we live, how we treat people, how we act, how we behave, all of these things. So people say, well, Pastor, is that really true? Let me tell you. Let, let, me, let me help you. Let me give you some examples to help you. All of us sh should be walking in the light. That means we must practice the same godly standard. And people see that by how we relate to each other. We're getting along. And if we're not getting along, somebody's walking in darkness. Because we can't be keeping the same God standards and not getting along. 
somebody's walking in darkness. And that is how we help each other. We help each other when the standard is God. Because once a person slips into darkness, we know because we know what the standard is. It goes on and, 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 and teaches that you can't say you're a Christian and then live like the devil. You can't be a Christian and who? We're not in a nothing with them people. I'm not talking to them. Listen, we can't bother with them. Listen, I felt that way. I said, listen, we're not in a nothing. I don't even want to deal with them. I don't want to talk to them. You can't be that. Well, well, but, but, and then I know you're there in the back of your mind and say, well, Pastor, you can't go and talk to a tree and know some of them are people. If I did, you have to deal with them, you would have said the same thing, Pastor. I know the devil is talking to you right now and he's telling you that, but I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. If we admit that we are sick, then we can also admit that because we are sick, our attitude may not be the best. And if we want God to heal us, then we must allow him to heal other people. Our healing may take a little shorter than theirs, but it doesn't negate the fact that healing is necessary. So give people time. You can't say you're a Christian and then live like the devil. Don't love people. I, I don't understand how Christians don't want to hang out with Christians and spend time with Christians. I, I don't understand how Christians say, listen, boy, I can't bother the Christian, them call them too boring. Really? You find Christian boring? So you'd rather hang out with the devil? Because, listen, there's no in-between. Are you hanging out with God's people or are you hanging out with the devil's people? So what fellowship do you have if you're God's child with devil people. The way you live will be transformed because you are in a relationship with Jesus. If you're walking like Jesus, you're relating to people like how Jesus relates to them, it will be seen. Let me say it again. If you find that you're not getting, away, getting on well with people relation relationally in the church or in your family or at the workplace, you need to check your relationship with God. You, if you drive a car, there's something very interesting about a car, for those of you who have cars. Whenever there's a problem with the engine, the engine don't tell you, except a check light comes on. And the check light, when you see that ch engine check light, you don't go and check the battery. You check the engine. The check light for us that something is wrong with our relationship with God is when our relationship with people is off. That is the check light coming on. That is why if you're walking in offense and malice and bitterness, you need to go to God because something is wrong internally. If you wash your car when the engine light comes on, it doesn't fix the engine. You have to check the engine. You have to get inside. Verse 7 of, of the verse um, builds up on that truth. If we are walking in the light, that is, if we are in fellowship with Jesus, then we will share fellowship with one another. That is what's going to happen. You're going to have fellowship with other people. You're going to want to hang out with them. You're going to want to be in church. You're going to want to be in cell group. It's just automatic. It's automatic that when you're walking in a healthy relationship with God, it's automatic that you're going to walk in a healthy relationship with this is what our churches had back in the days when we were children. 
and, grand, and, and, and our grandparents to take us to church. Everybody in the church was getting along. Churches weren't so big. And because of the small congregation, families and friends and everybody, they were one family. And that is what is missing. We have turned ourselves into individual families and wondering why there is moral decay in our nation. It is so because relationally we have messed things up inside the church and we need to fix that and then that, that goes outside and infuse the communities around the church. In fact, the word fellowship, because, because I don't want you to think that fellowship means high and by. Because some of us, when you think about fellowship, you're going to say, well, that is true, no, Pastor. Well, all of, starting off, no, when I, when I see church people, I'm going to say hi. And I'm going to say bye. And No. The scripture didn't tell you to greet. The scripture didn't tell you to say hi and bye. Here, the scripture says, if you walk in the light as he is in the light, you'll what? Have what? Fellowship. The word fellowship comes from a Greek word. And the Greek word is koinonia. K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A. Koinonia. And that word literally means to be in partnership with one another. It's a mutual relationship which benefits one another. So when the scripture is saying that we fellowship, it means that we are life's partners. We are what? We are partners. We work together. We walk together. We meet together. Amen? That's what we do. We are life partners. We are life partners. We are in this together. We are life partners. We have fellowship with one another. We eat. We, 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 we break bread, we talk, we fellowship. That is why we have to walk in the light. Because if we're not walking in the light, we can't have fellowship together. We can't be partners because two cannot walk unless what? They be agreed. And the problem is that some people in the church are walking in light and some are walking in darkness. And so there's a conflict because we're supposed to have fellowship so that the church can be effective in the world. But if we have some light, some darkness, there's not going to be any fellowship. And society has broken down. So what we need to fix is the light. All of us need to be in the light as he is in the light. And then we have koinonia. We have fellowship with each other. We are partners. We are in this together. You care for me, I care for you. You look out for me, I look out for you. You treat me well, I treat you well. Because we are relating to each other based on how Christ relates to us. You give me some bad treatment, but we are partners. And that is why the church is oftentimes spoken of in terms of a marriage. Because regardless of how one partner is, God expects the other partner to still honor him. All right, all right, all right. You hear that good one, right? Right. I'll, listen, if one partner is treating you bad, it doesn't give you authority to treat the person bad. The scripture teaches that. Don't repay evil with evil. But, but that's what we're doing. In the church, we repay evil to evil. Sure, them don't want to chat to me, me not to chat to them either. And so, 
we sow that seed in the church, it grows and bears a tree in the society. And when one person does something to the other, they repay evil for evil. Because in the church, that's what we are doing. So until the church fixes it, it won't be fixed out there. If you hear me, wait, 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 you hear me this morning, right? Remember that word, koinonia, fellowship, ben mutually beneficial. It means that, listen, I'm not just in this for me. I'm not only concerned about my own benefit, but yours. I'm looking out for you. I'm not coming here to exploit you. I'm not coming here to, to get all that I can and to can all I get. I'm here to give all I can. And listen, and, and if I get nothing, that's okay. Because somebody else is being mutually beneficial in, in, to me. Furthermore, because I share fellowship with Jesus, walking in light as in the, he's in the light, then my relationship with you should be like Christ's relationship with me. Which is, which is what? Putting it simply, relationship within the church should be loving. We must have a genuine, sincere love for each other. I mean, is there anybody in your life that you really love? Like, you really, you know that it's not fake, it is real love. Anybody? Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. At least, at least one person in your life you, you really love. Maybe you don't have a lot, but at least one person, right? Amen. That love that you have for that person, it, it should be the basis of all the love you have for all other persons. But for that person, if it's a spouse, there are other dimensions of love that you add to it that you may not add for other persons. All right? Everybody, so, so let me break this down. Everybody deserves the same love that you have for your spouse. But for the love for your spouse, you add. So the, the foundation of love is agape love. And then you build on that. So you have like eros love that is for intimate marital relationships. All right? But it doesn't come before agape. In other words, you don't express eros love without the foundation being agape love. So when you have agape love, then you have for brethren and sistering filio love. But the foundation has to be agape love. Because if it is not agape love, it cannot function and fill your love by itself. So I'm supposed to love every female in the same, in the church, the same way I love my wife. Except that to the love that I have for my wife, I add some eros to it. But I still have agape love for everybody else. Amen? Is that making sense? But what we do, we say, I have agape love for my family, but for you I have filio. And for, that's what we do. But the foundation is agape love, and based on who you're going to express the love to, you add one of the others. So Christ's love. Come on, I hope you're getting something. So that means you should love every person. That's why the scripture speaks about caring for one another. Love every person in the church the same way. 
but the expression may be different. Now, if we are not getting along with one another within the church, if our relationship, our partnership together is broken, then we should know that there's a sin problem. And before we, we are quick to point the finger at our brothers and sisters, let's look in the mirror. And G, John, John kind of puts it this way. John says, in 1 John 4, 19 to 21, we love because he first loved us. Why do we love? Not because people love us. Why do we love? Because God loved us first. So regardless of how people treat you, the reason why we love is not based on people. Come on, say that with me. The reason why I love is not based on people. Simply put, I'm going to love you even if you don't love me. Because me loving you has nothing to do with you. It has to do with God loving me first. Amen? It says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given this command, given us this command. Whoever loves God, what? Must also love his brother. Our relationship within the church should be above all things. Be Christ-like. We should relate to one another in the same way that Jesus relate to us. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, somebody are saying that, Pastor, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I can't manage that. It is not Pastor's expectation. It's God's expectation. The age is for house to house. Relationship in the church should be house to house. They did not just meet in the church. They met from house to house. Mean that go to people's yard. Let me say that again. That means we go to people's yard. We show hospitality. And if you don't want nobody at your yard, you have to check your heart. I, I know you're saying that, boy, Pastor, you don't know where me live. If, if, you see me look, if you see my little tent, listen, if you begin to think like that, you're going to behave like that general fellowship. If you already think your house is not qualified for the saints to come there, here's what's going to happen to you. You're going to live like that around them in the church. The reason why some of us feel less than in the church is because we believe that we're less than. And so because I way to get this. Because you already believe that your place and your stuff are not acceptable to people, you act that way around people. And you get offended because people oftentimes treat us or we see what people do based on how we think about ourselves. Are you following me? When I say house to house, let me also put this in there. I don't want you to believe that if you're a single male, you go and tell somebody, say, Pastor, say, we're supposed to come over to your house because we're supposed to come. That's not that. <laughs> you understand? This is, not, this is not like you're dating. You're dating alibi. Woo! Pastor Boy, you should have said this long time, you know, long time ago. ago what's it, a young lady? Was <laughs> a whole bucket on, but Pastor, you let me loose. <laughs> no, that's, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm going to, I'm going to break it down for you, but I have to get that. So, so here's the thing, because what happened is that 
the people weren't concerned. Because remember, we're not coming together to look at your house. We're coming together for what? Koinonia. And part of koinonia is the fellowship, is the praying together, the talking together, looking at the scripture. Say, no matter what your house looks like, we're going to come and pray. No matter what it looks like, we're going to come and have times in Bible study. And if you have, listen, the meal wasn't expensive. If you have a piece of bread, we can break it. If you have some water, we'll drink it. But the importance of this fellowship, because people oftentimes, that's why cell group is important. Because people believe that fellowshipping on Sundays alone is enough when it is not. And I'm telling you, the believers who are hurting are the ones who want to do nothing else except come to church on a Sunday. The friendship within the church should not be Sundays only. We should interact with others throughout the week. Acts 2 verse 42 and 46 said this. They devoted themselves. Listen, I want to underline these words. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every day they continued to meet together. Who, who continued? They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and also ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Who then says they? All right? Not me. Come check you. But we come in your yard. The problem we have in the church that everybody wants me to meet you instead of we to greet you. The scripture speaks about we. So for my single people, anywhere you're going is we. So if you're going to meet you believe to be husband, we going. Who is we? The entire cell group. And if the entire group can't go, we can't go. That's what the scripture says. This, there's nowhere in scripture where Jesus went anywhere by himself. When Jesus went to Mary and Martha, you remember who was there? The disciples were with him. Why we think our men, our men believe that they can go to woman yard by themselves because they're them own big man. You're walking in darkness. Because it's unscriptural. So dating is supposed to be we. I'm glad I passed that test. <laughs> Hallelujah. I learned this truth after. So I'm helping you. You're going to get in problems if you make dating about you. Or me and you. We are going to go hang out. So that's why you need a cell group. So when the guy calls you and says, listen, I need to spend some time with you to get to know you. You say, all right, not a problem. We can come over to you for dinner on Sunday. How many are you? It's around 12 of us in the cell group. <laughs> Says, all right, all right. No, man, all right, that's not going to work. Cause the house is big enough. Let's go to the beach. Not a problem, man. Well, I'll ask them which day all of us can come to the beach. All right, a um, couple of them are, they're not into the bath suit thing. So what, you, you, do you mind if 10 of us, and I have a couple of guys from the church too, because it's, the cell group is both male and female, and I mean, they want to come too. And if he starts saying, all right, all right, no, man, that can't work, that can't work, you realize that something is off. Are you following what is happening? The scripture said they, they continued together. It was a group of them. It was a group of them. It happened in old time days, right? What used to happen in old time days? You'd hear that um, 
Uncle June, Auntie Junie walking down the road. Back in the days, Bible, this is this is your Bible position. You know, when people are walking up and down, back in the days, everybody had them Bible. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Them going to bush them, have them Bible. They're going to tie out, cow them, have them Bible. They're going to milk the cow them, have them Bible. So when them coming back and they say, Auntie John, I have some milk, you know, I just meet, I just milk bully and Maxine down at the pasture there. And I carry some milk. You know what? You know what? A quarter milk. See a quarter milk. You know what say? Me the dung, they milk the cow and the lard. Just show me something in a Psalm 135. And, and, and them start talking. And then Auntie Mill say, hey, come here, come here, come here. John get revelation. John get revelation. And neighbors come over and they say, come here, quick, pray, quick, pray. And then and that is what used to happen. People are meeting from house to house. And so this person stopped at this person's yard and, and they, they showed up without invitation. You miss all church? By the time church done, you hear your door. Ah, who that? Ah, we. <laughs> we who? The prayers, the man. Whenever you see a church this morning, now we just come check if you are right. You don't have no beverage in there because we thirsty, you know. One morning we are seeing. <laughs> That's how church used to be. And there was no problem. Or less problem. But there was an intimacy in fellowship. And when people came to church, they couldn't tell who was blood relatives. Or not. But we have lost that. The New Testament church was connected to each other. The fellowship of the early church was more than joining together for a worship service. Their partnership brought them together in, in, in one another's home. We need to get back to that. The early church functioned effectively because they met in the church and they met from house to house. Now, this is different from people because there are some people, you know, road, road runner, you know, that restaurant back in the days that used to have this road runner business on it. Some people are home runners. I mean, they just run from yard to yard. I'm not talking about those kind of people that they want to go everybody yard, right? That, that's not, I'm not talking about that. Right? Because you have people like that that we use the, the I mean, they may think like say, all right, I'm going to come out your yard this week. All right, we can't come out your yard next week. All right, I'm going to put up my yard calendar. <laughs> that, that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm, I'm not like talking that. All I'm saying, there's a place in the church where all of us, and there should be no discomfort because we're coming to deal with scriptural things. We're not coming to talk about people. And I know you're going to say, well, boy, pastor, I don't like hang out with church people because they, they chat too much. I mean, I'm going to sit down there and chat nobody's business. Every time they bring up somebody and they say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, book of Joel, book of Joel, book of Joel, book of Joel. And they're talking about somebody, hallelujah, Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41, Isaiah 41. And you, you give them the signal. When you come together, the scripture says, come with what? A psalm. Right? Speaking to each other. That's what we come together for. It's an important part of church growth, healthy church fellowship. And this will, in turn, transform the community. You see, the church would run counter to our culture. Jamaicans are increasingly more and more isolated from each other. Others. Circles of friendship grow smaller and smaller. Church people have taken on this thing where they say that, may I keep my circle small? That's not scriptural. If you don't have 12 friends, you're missing it. So let me ask you, in this church, how many friends do you have? 
I'm not talking high and by friends. How many persons you can sit and hang out and talk with? And here's why. Jesus is greater than us. And Jesus started out with 12. If you have not started out with 12, you're missing it. You need at least 12 friends in your church. Oh, Jesus. So much people, Pastor. Yes. It's a safe way. That's why cell groups are important. We're not trying to keep our circle small. We try to keep our circle at 12. But within the church, our friendship should be increasing to include those who are a part of the body of Christ. So as believers, we cannot live like the Lone Ranger. We need friendship with other Christians. We can't be lone rangers. Can't be lone rangers. And I know people say, um, I said this in the first service and I'll say it again. This idea that I don't want to tell anybody my business. What business could you have that you don't want your brothers and sisters in Christ to know? I'm, I'm saying to you that there may be intimate details of your love life. I don't want you to expose that to everybody. But if someone comes to me, like, like I heard, I've, I've seen people leave churches and go to fire and don't tell nobody. Say they don't want nobody to pray a bad prayer for them. And then they're talking about church people, you know, that they used to laugh with and smile with. Say they don't want bad prayers. Why are they free that obvious so they don't tell nobody because they don't want nobody to block them from go fire. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Watch this. If you're going away, why wouldn't you, why, why would somebody don't want you to go away? But when, when you don't want to tell people you're going away, you're probably going to do something that you don't want nobody to know. Like if I was planning on not coming back to Jamaica, I'm not telling anybody. I don't want them to know when we leave. We just want to be MIA. And then come and say, me, there you are. <laughs> right? When, when people are going to do wrong, they don't want to talk about it. That is why if you're not in the light, you can't fellowship. If you're walking in darkness, if your practices are dark, you can't be in fellowship with people because fellowship with people require openness and truth, and we can't. That is why when people are single, here's the thing, here's the thing, what the scripture says, treat the younger woman like your sister. If you're in a relationship and you can't talk to nobody about the church, but something wrong. Because if you come and say, Pastor, I'm talking to somebody, I have no concern. Why? Because as far as I know, the scripture says you treat the woman like a sister. And there's nothing that you should be doing with a sister that would cause me to be alarmed. But if you're not treating her like a sister, but you're treating her like your future wife, you're not going to want to talk about it. When you're operating according to the one standard, you will talk. But when your standard go against what the scripture says, you can't talk. So my relationship advice is, I'm talking to somebody, okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. I, I love them and I want to marry them. I mean, simple. And I learned this from one of my youth leaders early. His name was Sarge. Christopher Parker is his name. And 
when he was courting the person that he's now married to, he never treated her from any other, different from any other woman in the church. They were in advanced age, you know. And it was a problem. So he, if he bought her a rose, it would be because he bought everybody else in the ministry a rose. She ain't getting nothing special. Because it's his sister. And you know what? She loved him because of the honor he showed to women. If a man would treat you better than any other woman, it means that he would be willing to treat other women better than you. Listen, I should not treat Sister Tizen any less than I should treat my wife. There are some things I can't do for her but the way I treat her should be with as much honor as I treat my wife. Because if she's not my wife, she's either my mother according to scripture or my sister. That's Bible culture. Amen? So, when my son get old and they say they want to take out a young lady, first thing I'm going to ask them, have you taken out your mother? And have you taken out your sister? Because if you can't take out your mother and your sister and treat them right, you can't take a next person, daughter, and treat her right. Hebrews 10.25 tells the Lone Ranger to get reconnected with other believers. We are to join together regularly to encourage each other from house to house. Hallelujah. You, relationship within the church should be united. The connection we share with, it, with each other is not superficial. Rather, it joins us together as one. You see, our body is made up of many different parts. But it forms one body. Likewise, each of us are united together, forming the body of Christ. And so how important are our relationships to the body of Christ? If we disconnect ourselves from one another, then we deform the body of Christ. That's it. We deform the body of Christ when parts are missing. And a deformed body is unattractive and even repulsive. But a body that is whole is attractive. And when the church is united as one, it will draw others to Christ. The church will be the most effective when we are one. When people begin to see us together and see us walking as one, living as one, then they'll be drawn to Christ. All right? So the R in church, redemptive is R. And relationships within the church, they should be redemptive. Jesus came to redeem lost humanity back to God. Without Jesus' death and resurrection, God and man would be eternally separated from God. And by redemption, I mean, look what Christ did for us. Are we willing to do this for others? But Jesus had made it possible for God and man to be brought back together. The sin which separates man from God can be forgiven. Therefore, we ought to be able to forgive others. The relationships between believers and the relationship believers share within the church is one of the ways
God uses to draw the lost to Christ. When people see how we care and love each other and forgive each other and treat each other, they are drawn to Christ. It's like magnet. Our unity, our oneness is like a magnet pulling people to Jesus. And John tells us in John 13, 35, he says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how they will know. In Jesus, in what they call his priestly prayer in John 17, 20 to 21. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all, that, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. When people see us loving and living together in the body of Christ, they are drawn to him. They say, yes, there is indeed a living king. When they see us forgiving and loving each other, we see Jesus here, prayer, his prayer being answered within the early church. The same prayer that he prayed was answered in the early church as believers related to one another with the love of Christ. And people were saved. One of the things that caused the massive growth in the Acts church was what the disciples were doing. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, the, break, the breaking of bread, prayer and meeting from house to house. And it says many were added to the church because of that. Because it's going to be hard for us to be meeting in the house if we're not talking. You see, food... When people start sharing food, they're my real friend. If food can't get you to hang out with people, something is really wrong. Hey, God is so good. You know, God knows that people love them belly. You know. It's true. And I know some of you, you like your pork. And if you know somebody in here jerking mean pork, they jerk a mean jerk pork. And you hear about it and they invite you over. Man, you want to go over there, but boy, you and them in a malice. And then, then the people, you don't, want, you don't even want them. The rest of the church people then come talk to you about how the pork it tastes. You can imagine somebody coming. I'm going to say, well, me. Well, me take Well, say, from me go to the gate, me smell the pork. You don't want all brother Glenroy to tell you about how sweet the pork is. Acts 2, 46 to 47 says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Listen to all the things they were doing. So their hearts were right with each other so they could meet in people's house. Because if I don't know you, you can't come up here. So the people had this fellowship that everybody was okay with everybody going to everybody's house. Everybody, because here's that. We know there's no thief not amongst us. We know that no liar amongst us. Listen, the last man who thief him and his wife dropped down and dead. So all of the thieves, they get free. <laughs> they change their life. That is what happened in the church. Listen, everybody say, yeah, man, you can't ramp with them a Christian because them they're not unity. Brother, if you go over there and gossip, you might get dumb. See, <laughs> you better make sure. See, I just pray you up, pray. 
And everybody walking in the light. So, I mean, y'all can leave all your house and leave them in there. Because nobody, any, no one not taking up anything. Because, yes, some of the things we have in there are them same one bite. Because everybody buying and sharing and giving. So this man come on him give you some banana. Him not coming back, come steal the banana. Because what was happening? But when we have some people who don't want nobody at them house, you're going to have problem. Because it says from house to house. Every, every house is worthy. You know what I don't like? Let me tell you what your pastor don't like. You never invite me to dinner because you don't think the house is welcoming. But when you're sick, you're supposed to come to it. So why is the house more welcoming now that it's prayer time? I don't say I have to eat. But it's the same person coming. It's the same house. So it don't matter to me if you have food or not. If the house is dirty or clean. The fellowship is with you, not the house. The house is just the place. It don't matter if it is big or small. It's the place. I'm there about the person. Scripture goes on and said, and the Lord added, their, added to their number daily. Jesus' prayer remains the same today. And he desires to see it answered through you and me. So that our relationship might be redemptive, join others to him. Right? So, will our relationship be redemptive? Join people to Christ. Let the body of Christ be one. The C is for being compassionate. Relationship in the church should be compassionate. We are not to live in our own little world, ignoring those around us. Because we are of one body, united in Christ. We are to identify with and respond to the needs of others. And I want to stop here and share, just personally, one of the things I liked about the early the, the, the church is people understood suffering. Because they understood suffering and not having a lot, they can understand when people suffer. I think for the most part our culture has gotten to a place where people have not gone through hard times. So they can't, they, can't, they can't understand how difficult life is for some people. And we live in our own little bubble. And sometimes we are so caught up in our own little bubble that we can't see the needs of people around us. I hear people complaining about some stuff. No. And I wonder, like, like I shared at the first service, I remember being a child when there was no television. And I remember once I went to my neighbors to peep through their window because that's what all the other kids would do, to watch the one TV. And my parents disciplined me. And listen, what my neighbors had to do was to turn up the TV loud so I could hear the sound. And then I'd have to stay in my house and act out what was going on. That was my TV. See, it's like with my sons. I want them to go through a little suffering. I want them to understand that there was a time when to use your bathroom at night you have to have a torch and they had something they called drummer roach when those hit you in your head you knock out big and bad and you have to use your latrine that is not connected to your house it is separate and you have to walk on a little path sometimes go there because it's far from the house because they don't want the centuries here because everything is hidden. And when you understand what is happening, when you want to iron your clothes, you listen, you have to set your iron from your coal stove and that heat up and you have to, you have, I mean, you have to put all cloth, all kind of things over it because you don't want it to mess up all your, your white linen because everything is called the Ryan linen them time then. Listen, listen, people don't understand. So when you hear people talk about 
um, suffering, it, it don't make any sense to you. It don't, because you have somebody ironing your clothes. You have TV in every room. So sometimes I really want to take my son and go country, you know. And I remove some things. Sometimes I feel like them youth here. Seriously, sometimes I want to give them baking soda to brush them teeth. And put away the toothpaste. And give them a little salt on the toothbrush and say, this week, you salt brush your teeth right. Sometimes I want to give them carbolic soap to eat. Sometimes I want to give them our cooking oil to lotion up themselves. And, and right now you do that now, people are saying, you're wicked. Ain't any more time you y'all give me the cooking oil. You're putting pity juice up. That's the point. But when you're married, when you're married, you understand me. You can't do certain things. <laughs> Because when you want them to suffer, you know, you know, you have houses. Well, what in my cabinet, Papi? <laughs> but it, but it, it is the truth that because we are not, most of our, our this generation don't understand suffering. So when they hear that people going through stuff, it just goes over them because they can't imagine how difficult life is. And so we live in our own little bubble and we can't have compassion anymore. That is why Jesus, and we understand, that's why Jesus had to leave the wealth and riches of heaven to do what? To suffer. Because really, you understand the need for compassion when you understand suffering. You see, you have to really go through hunger sometimes to understand when a person crying and saying that you're hungry, how it really feels. compassionate. Sometimes people around you are worse than you. You don't even know it because you're concerned about your Bluetooth, um, your, your, your ear pod. And the person beside you don't have nothing in the house to eat. And your biggest concern is changing your ear pod. And they, they come to you to talk to you but you are so concerned about your ear pod that you can become passionate about your hunger. First Corinthians 12, 26. It says, if any one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We are supposed to suffer with one another. The love of Christ within us, church, compels us to reach out to love those in need. Love them. Use this opportunity to let the world know that we care for each other. That we love them. I have, we have um, a member whose father is in the, in the hospital. And I mean, I called them this week to speak to them. And they were saying, no. And I was apologizing because I said, Miss Bliss, I called you. I should have called you earlier. They said, no, you don't need to apologize. The amount of persons from church has called and reached out. They said a cell group call and call. And they're at the place now where their family believe that they are part of the church because of how the church is reaching out. Imagine with me, church, if people saw like a, a, a group from the church going to a neighbor that they know suffering and helping them out, bringing food and 
you understand me taking care of them and they say, watch ya, look how them church members, them come, come. Them church not do them that thing, they boy, them, them church people, you have different look there. Hey, every week, them come bring grocery and all, wash the lady clothes them, and, and pull them up and put, them treat her good though. Hey, you know, boy, I mean, if you go down that church, eh, I'm, I'm telling you, people, people look at those things. People look at those things. Our heart should be moved by the suffering of others. And no one should have to bear their pain alone. The scripture said in Galatians 6 verse 2, carry each other's burden and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus summed up the law with the second greatest commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. And in the same way that we cannot ignore pain within our physical body, our love for our brother, our sister in Christ will move us to share their burden. People should not have to bear it alone. We should stand with them as a church of God. But compassionate relationships are not just about feeling one another's pain or sorrow. Compassion moves us to action. It's not just how are you doing. It's what can I do about how you are doing. And that's the important thing. How can I help you? And so the final thing, the H in church is relationships within the church should be helpful. And this is where I want to challenge you. I want you, I know you don't think you have a lot. I know you think your resources are small. But find a way to help people. When you go to the supermarket again, I'm asking you, if you're buying two toothpaste, buy an, a small cube. But if you're buying five soap or three, buy, buy a small one, a, a, a very inexpensive one. Put it together, put it in a bag, and just give it to someone. Maybe they don't need it, but they're going to find somebody else to bless with it. You never know, but let us help one another. Sometimes they just call and say, listen, I haven't seen you in church. I haven't heard from you. How are you doing? I'm just checking up on you. Would you like me to pray for you? That, 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 that's it. That's how we help in a practical way. Listen, it's a call someone and say, listen, I mean, I know you're not working. I don't have a lot, but listen, I have... $500. That's all I have. But I want to give it to you. You can use it for church. Whatever you want to do. But I just want to bless you. Sometimes we think if we don't have a million, we can't help. And then here's the Some of us, we think that our people need the help we. And I said this before. Listen. If you're not working, you can't work. Let me say it again. If you're not working, let me say If you don't have a job, you can still be working. And sometimes the most rewarding work it's free work. So, you don't have no money, give your time. Call somebody and say, listen, why are you doing up by your house? Listen, I want to come over. I only have bus fare for reach, so you can't give me bus fare. Anything you need for the man. I'll rake up the yard for you. I'll rake up the yard. Don't worry yourself. Listen, I will... I'll, why, 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 just tell me what you're doing. What you're doing. But I will come and help you. Call me. I'm giving you one day this week to help you. Because I have time. Sometimes that is what it is. Because some of us think if we don't have money, we can't help. The early church put their love and compassion for one another to work. They shared whatever they had with those in need. Listen, I, oftentimes I see this with my wife and so many persons in the church. Like, she will, by the time she leaves church, sometimes she gets all kind of banana, uh, breadfruit, all kind of things. 
And then by the time she reached home and she stopped and she give to this person, and she stopped to give to this person, this person did get something, and they give her some over, out of it, and she give this person. So by the time she reached home, she give away half that she get, right? But she still get an set of things. So it's like, I mean, without going to the supermarket, she come back with goods. And all of it is by, I get, I give, you give to me, and everything just exchange. Sometimes I wonder if the person who gives the banana don't end up getting it. If we're just blessing people. You understand me? So I get one bunch, and I give you one, I give you two hand, and you give, <laughs> you give that person two hand, and they cut it, they, one hand, they cut it in two, and give, because it's 12 fingers, and the one hand, and then give six, and then that person cut it in two again, and send three, go give the person. And the person, what are you doing? I see a banana there, man, let me give the other day. Amen. Hallelujah. You see a banana, come back, come bless you. Because we're sharing what we have. Imagine if church was like that. What the world would say. It has happened to me. You know. I gave people blessing money, you know. And you know, sometimes they have money that writing on it. I mean, so hold on, but the, hold on. Eh, eh. But sometimes anyway, you go through shop and all of those things because money move fast. It's, it's currency. <laughs> currency. Always on the go. Right? So they sold all they had and gave to those who had need. Material possessions were not held within a, a fist, a clenched fist. Rather, they were held in an open hand. And God, and God had freely given, and they in turn could share with one another. As we close this morning, 1 John 3, 17 says, If anyone has material possession and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can he, how can the love of God be in him? And John makes it very plain. If we ignore our brother who is in need and we have the means to help them, then God's love is not with them. We cannot give lip, lip service to reaching out to others. Our lives back up what we say about loving God as we freely share with those in need. To, compassion moves our heart to help the one in need. So Christ-like, house-to-house, unity, redemptive, compassionate, and helpful. These characteristics should set our relationships apart from those in the world. As believers, we are a part of the body of Christ. We are more than friends. We are family, children of God. The love of Christ unites our hearts as brothers and sisters. And anything less is only a social club. We are a part of the church, those called out from the world. But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Listen, let me say it again. I am not your friend. Let me say it. I am not your friend. I am not your friend. I am a family that shares a healthy friendship. In the church, I am, I, we are family. You may not view me that way, but we are part of God's family. You are my family. If you're an older woman, you're my mother. If you're a younger woman, you're my sister. If you're an older man, you're my father. If you're a younger man, you're my brother. That's what scripture teach. You are my family. The problem we have in Jamaica is not Jamaicans. It's what I call churchans. Or churchicans. Am I blaming the church? Yes. Because if the church had healthy relationships, 
There's no way society is going to have. There's nowhere else society can look at for the standard for good relationship except the church. They can't look to the police. They can't look to the politician. They can't look to the educational system. They must look to the spiritual system. And the spiritual system is the church. And I'm not saying that we have all the answers. I'm saying that if we start getting it right here, it will affect other churches. And that's my, my purpose this morning. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning. Because I think some of us need to repent. We need to ask God for forgiveness because we have not been a part of this process of healthy relationships. Truth is, most of us would say, I don't even have friends in the church. I have acquaintances. Some of us still speak stuff and words like, oh, no, I'm mean, not with them people yet. And we think like somehow that is, is spiritual. And we really need to ask God to forgive us. Some of us, we don't want nobody are we are. And we're in the yard business with people. But, but it's a part of the early church practice that we show hospitality to one another. Some of us are walking in darkness. And so we can't have fellowship with the saints. We can't because the things that we are doing oppose the things of the light. We can't be honest and open because we're doing things that we're not supposed to do and that is just the truth. And we need to talk to God. Some of us, we, we are not compassionate. When we hear about people dying and hurting, it just goes in one ear and it comes out through the other. We don't really care. And then there are some of us who we have it in our power to help. Little is much when God is in it. And sometimes, listen, I have persons from the church. I had a sister, I think, last week. She just sent me a message. And it was so, it just touched my heart. Because I realized this person didn't just copy something. But they took time to send me a WhatsApp message. Telling me how much they appreciate what I'm doing. I don't need that to preach. But I'm saying, it just shows that people care about me. And they are on people's hearts. There's an ex-sister that she sends scripture. And every morning I see those scriptures. And listen, on only one occasion have I responded. And you know what I love? It doesn't stop her. Because she's not sending it because she wants me to respond. She's sending it because it means something to her. You never know what your little thing can do in someone's life. Just offer a helping hand. So right now, just with your head bowed, eye closed, just pray to Lord, forgive me. Just ask him to forgive you for whatever you have done or said that may have caused division. Just commit to him and say, Lord, I want to commit to you that I'm going to be Christ-like. I'm going to be compassionate. God, I'm going to be helpful. I'm going to live in unity. I'm going to operate from a, a place of redemptiveness, of forgiveness, walk with other believers so that men will see you and glorify you. I stand in unity 
with my brothers and sisters in Christ. You understand it, just the Lord? We are not just friends, we are family. These are my brothers and my sisters. Just tell him, Lord, in the same way you love me, so I love them. And nothing is going to separate us. Ask him, say, Lord, open my eyes to see the needs of my brothers and sisters. Show me how I can help. And be a blessing to them. pray for you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every brother and sister in Christ. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we will get the relationships within the church right so that we can impact Jamaica. Because we can't expect the culture to change if the church doesn't change. So God, I pray in the name of Jesus for real change in the church. That, that as of today, in all our doings, we'll be Christ-like. We'll walk in the light as you are in the light. And have koinonia with one another. Partnership. With sincere hearts, we'll break bread. Before you were all equal. Lord, we, we declare that indeed we are in your hospital. You're the chief physician. The angels are the nurses. And we are all being made well by you. And so we are patient with one another. Bless this church, Lord God, so we can do that you have called us to do. And may we continue to make disciples who make disciples as we win the lost. Connect them to the church. Train them up and send them out in order to glorify God. We bless you. We thank you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, clap your hands to Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, before the week is over, God is going to give you an opportunity to help somebody, to encourage somebody. Take it on. Let's get the relationship thing right in the church and watch God fix things through us in our nation. God bless you. Have a, a wonderful, wonderful rest of the week. And the worship team is going to take us out with a song of praise.